We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. Konnichiwa, Steve. Konnichiwa, Moraine. <laughs> you see, I can speak Spanish as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Let me nice. get out this chair here. I'm going to sit around, sitting yeah. there looking all pompous at you where we're doing our talk today. Do you want to see a light on or you're okay in this? Uh, uh, no, I like, of, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Can you remember just less than a couple of three weeks ago, it was bright sunshine coming <gasps> through these windows. Yes. Autumn is coming. Winter is coming. Yes. No, yes is that yes. Shakespeare? Uh, no, it's Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there any difference? Uh, it's 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 get it gets quite Shakespearean at times. Yes. So I guess in Chinese or Japanese, sorry, you just said episode ninety-eight. No, no, I didn't. I I totally forgot about that bit. <laughs> yes. You just put me on the spot, like, oh, we're gonna record in three, two, one, and say something funny. Oh, uh, what? Uh, yeah. Oh, you do make me look bad, Moraine. That's oh, unfair. No, no, Bullshit. No, no. We've been sitting here for about ten minutes, and you had plenty of time to come up with something unique, and you did. It was no. a brilliant start. Yeah, brilliant start. Anyway, guys and gals, and all those in between, I guess it is episode ninety-eight. And uh, we were thinking that our new tagline for our new theme tune should be, um, uh, we're not uh, millennials, we're just idiots. Yes. And I've just proved it. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that because that is what, that's who we are. That's what we do. I mean, jeez. ID 10, yes, I know. <laughs> I'm guessing that maybe half of the people are not listening for Office 365 content, but just to hear us being... Ignorant idiots. Yes, I'm idiots. Yeah, I like that. Well, well, we'll see where we go with that. So we are in a sponsored episode. The awesome people at Braben Whiskey have again provided us with something incredibly special to drink uh, yes, as part very. of our podcast. So this is episode 98 from Braben Whiskey. Um, and uh, you know the story. Moraine and I own a couple of barrels from these guys three barrels or something along those lines mm-hmm. now. We haven't yet got to stroke and and coax the whiskey from these barrels, but yeah. we will eventually get round to doing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, one day I hope we'll be tasting our own whiskey on this podcast. Oh, that would be cool. It would be cool. That and that is all down cool. to the guys at Brave and Whiskey. And so, yes, check out the, uh, the website. Uh, we'll make sure you can get hold of those people if you are interested in keeping the cask. And there's something special about being able to tell people, I have a cask of whiskey. Yeah, and they exactly. Yeah, go, what? Yeah. Oh, so are you uh, interested in uh, Bitcoin and crypto? Well, actually, I own a barrel of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> just the one barrel. Yeah. It's not quite the same as me saying I'm just going to go down to the distillery at the end of the garden. You know? No, no, that not not that. But still, it's like, oh, what do you do for investment? I I own whiskey barrels. Okay. And it's cool. amazing when you say to people, you know, the older whiskey gets, the more expensive it's worth, and they go, "You're right." So why are you not doing it? Why is everybody not doing it? In fact, nobody should do this. (laughs) Otherwise, our whiskey will go down in investment if everybody's buying it. Ah, I was was looking at a distillery the other day, um, and they actually have their own 
um, uh, salespeople selling their barrels. Oh, well, we, we uh, talked a few weeks ago about... Uh, Jack Daniels oh, also that doing yes. that. Yes, yes, that was where I must yeah. have heard it. So you can just buy a barrel of Jack Daniels and just have it uh, bottled and shipped over to you. And I'm it's guess, the same it, as it every must other be so, barrel. Yeah, it, mu- it must be so surreal that at some day you'll get the uh, UPS guy <laughs> stopping in front of your house unloading like a wooden pallet with 300 bottles on top of it. Like, mm, okay. So Followed by the customs and excise man. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> Are these all for your own consumption, sir? Of course. <laughs> yes. Would you like a drink? <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, those guys at Brayburn, guys and girls, um, they do an amazing uh, job. If you want to get into whiskey investing, uh, you can talk to them and you can purchase like a new make barrel that yeah, is just... Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah, me too. Uh, but you could also say, for example, I want to buy something that is already 10 years old or 12 years I've old. I've got one of those. I know you do. <laughs> and then you can just keep it. They've got their own marketplace if you want to sell it at some point or if you just want to keep it for a bit longer, if you want to do something interesting with yes. it. For example, change it over into a rum cask or a port cask or whatever. They can help you with that. If you want to bottle it, they can help you with that. So, uh, yeah, it, I think it makes for a an incredible diversified portfolio asset. It does. There you go. So. Said from Mr. Investor himself, personally, I just like it because it's 12-year-old whiskey in a barrel. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to taste some of that whiskey. So they have a, as part of one of the divisions uh, from Braeburn is cask. Uh, forget the number, 88. Yes, cask mm. 88. And they will do the bottling for you. So mm-hmm. today we are actually going to taste uh, a bottle from their whiskey range, which we'll introduce a little bit later on yeah. and take it from there. And this is the second one, of course. We also did the uh, Bowness Hill Climb, yes. which was a fabulous. A few episodes ago, yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly. cool. All right. So we are carrying on then with uh, the great work we did in the last episode. Workshops. Workshops. Yes. Because we thought we'd get this over and done with in one go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It yeah. uh, it just shows you how much we could have do without thinking and then realize that how long it takes to actually do. Because I guess we don't do it that often anymore. You know, there are 250 million consistent logins or whatever the number is nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, if most people have got three or four thousand people, that's a lot of tenants already yep. built and running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just did a project last end of last year where we went from a SharePoint on-prem and a, an exchange on-prem towards Office 365. But yeah. those are becoming increasingly rare. Yes, exactly. I get to do that next year. So mm-hmm. I, I, I will be building my SharePoint sites towards the end of this year. We're busy rolling teams out now on a big project. Uh, but all the migration is going to happen next year. Yeah. So that will be horror-filled. 2023, I will need lots of whiskey. Yeah, just migrations, but we'll talk about migrations as well. So, all right. So we are going to focus more on the kind of workshops that directly affect what the end user uses and sees, the infrastructure around that, the order that we roll them out, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So last episode, we talked about your Inspire and Envision uh, phase. I can't remember that one. (laughs) <laughs> we talked about uh, identity we talked about security 
Uh, we touched on uh, architecture just a wee bit. Tenant architecture. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, but before that, um, there there was like a little cliffhanger that we had last time, where you actually said something interesting, but you didn't want to disclose everything. Yeah, but I said I needed an hour or two to remember what this was. Um, but, but basically, um, I think we, we questioned the idea of what do you call team sites and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and of course, you have MS Teams sites, so called mm -hmm. team sites, uh, and you have SharePoint uh, communication sites, and of course, you have SharePoint team sites. Yes. And they're different, you know? Yes. Uh, in that a SharePoint group site is actually the MS team site. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, team site is the traditional SharePoint site from yeah. SharePoint yep. and the communication site. So we know what all of those are, but the confusion is around team sites. And for me, what I do, and I think I may have mentioned this on a podcast before, um, but I basically brand the sites at the SharePoint level. So MS Teams, mm -hmm. they're team sites because they're about collaboration and with yes. the team. Um, but then what so I do... So would they be team sites or would they be Teams sites? Yeah. So anyway, Moraine <laughs> used to have a sense of humor, but uh, over the years, as we approach episode 100, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. And, and most people won't care. Uh, I, I don't know. Is it MS Teams or is it MS Team? Teams. Is it? But if you go yes. to uh, Windows 11 and you type in search and you say, connect me to my Teams, it's Team. It, is it? Yeah, it is. I've got what? rid of it. <laughs> oh, you All just, right. Maybe okay. if I maybe type not. a team, of course, it comes and just doesn't have the S. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember typing it thinking, oh, it's team. But you are right. It did come up as teams. Yeah, so it is teams. But that's not enough. I believe no. that what you should do is name the sites around the function they're going to have. So, for example, I have divisional sites or department sites. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have... Um, uh, a site that might be around collaboration or it might be around meetings or it, depending on what the function is. Mm -hmm. So Teams is around collaboration. So they're collaboration team sites. Mm -hmm. And then I would come up with the naming convention that's going to describe those sites that are on the SharePoint site so that you don't have a team site uh, in MS Teams and you don't have a team site in SharePoint. So yeah. it will be. The other way of doing it, of course, um, is you just call one a SharePoint team site and one an MS Teams team site. Yeah. Um, I've made it any simpler. No. I know. <laughs> it basically needs to work out how you're going to sell your content and your architecture in your SharePoint space. So come up with a name for them that describes them that is not exactly team sites. It may well be a group. No, that doesn't work either, does it? Um, a, it team connect, uh, a group connected team site. It could well or be a, a Teams connected team site. You need to move away from using teams and groups. Yes, because you want to make it like functional, like a a squad site. It's our local site. Yeah. It's our I like that a squad site. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's our uh, file shares site. No, it's a bad one. But but that's what I'm suggesting you do. Mm -hmm. You basically come up with a hierarchy that starts at the top with your home site. That's not going to change. But mm -hmm. underneath that, you might have division sites or hub sites or department sites underneath that. And then, of course, even though it's Teams, 
you don't call them finance teams. You so you need to uh, come up with a a, wor- a word that works well for that organization. Yes. All right. So that yes. level of the organization, and then of course your team sites are really collaboration sites. Yes. But you need to call them MS Teams because everything's plastered with MS Teams. So that's that's what I would do, and mm-hmm. this it's really important to as we talk about governance it's part of that governance process that you actually decide the usage for these sites um, and you decide the naming or the type of architecture you're going to go with them so that's what i would suggest you do i can't off the top of my head think of one of the examples that i've done in the past because i'm so busy at the moment in ms teams but Mm -hmm. that's what i think you need to do so you just need to decide what you're going to call them in a nice hierarchical way Mm -hmm. and then use that terms in all of your documentation and one of the and the governance documents will obviously say the sharepoint template for teams or the default template for teams is going to be this and this communication site will be called this and uh, and then that basically is how you set up your whole adoption and change and communications policy. Okay. That's what that I would do. That's an idea sense. anyway, moving forward. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. All right. So workshops. So we've decided an order um, because mm-hmm. last time we were choosing them kind of randomly and then we ended up having that uh, sort of conversation. And we kind of said that the first thing we should kick off with is our road map workshop or some kind of workshop that is defining an order either the order that you release the applications um, Mm -hmm. or the order that is going to sort of support the logical migration of your content yeah there could be a number of things that would decide what you need to do i was also looking at microsoft's best practices or adoption site the other day oh did you notice that they've changed performance score to adoption score yes and it's now actually on my tenant already as adoption yeah score. yeah yeah it's it's it, live and it's there yeah. and it, yeah. it's got a slightly different layout slightly different parts on there but basically it's still delivering the same um, scores which is a great example of how you can rename things that used to be the same before but have a different take on them just as if you're trying to yeah. come up with the structure of your sites microsoft yeah. are ace at it mm-hmm. actually of course what they're doing is they're positioning themselves to be able to build into the next layer of uh, collaboration and adoption so that would typically be in your roadmap mm-hmm. yeah. so, so your roadmap is going to be the kind of thing you sell to your steer co it's going so to be the kind would, of thing. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll interrupt you later. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's also going to be things like um, the decisions you make uh, around. So I was talking about Microsoft best practice for, for MS Teams. Um, uh, I was reading an article off the Microsoft website that said that they go for meetings first. So one of the ways of rolling out MS Teams is just focus on meetings and not actually focus on collaboration, um, which is exactly what I did in this last project I did. And it yeah. worked very, very well indeed. So the roadmap would be you know, meetings, and then the next one would be collaboration or teams and channels, and the next one might be email migration, or you might do email migration first, and then mm-hmm. you... So you just need to work out the logical order. But it's not an IT decision, I don't think. No, it's it's definitely a business decision. Solely a business so, decision? No, okay. of course not. But, um, for example, when you said, okay, let's do meetings first. Yes, that's what we've done with the whole uh, COVID uh, time. Yeah. So everybody had to start working from home. 
So what they needed to do, they all needed to have like a proper way to do hybrid meetings or just virtual meetings. So I had a, a, a bunch of uh, organizations come to me and say, okay, we need to be able to do this. Everyone already has a VPN, so they can already log on to the network. We might need to strengthen that a little bit. Only old people, old divisions have VPNs nowadays. Yes, but let me continue. Uh, so that was all in place, but they needed a way to do these virtual meetings. So for a bunch of those organizations, that was their main priority. Meetings, not necessarily meetings. VPN. Yes. And so you're allowed to interrupt me, but I'm not allowed to interrupt you? No, exactly. Oh, yes, okay. that's how it goes. I just wondered what yeah, the rules yeah. are. No. The rules are, little fucker. Can do <laughs> bastard, bastard, and also, <laughs> what, I, what I just wanted to say when I interrupted you the first time... <laughs> Because you're allowed. Of course. Um, that roadmap, uh, it's not only about uh, what technologies are we going to roll out. It's also what are we going to roll out to what kind of um, people. So yes. if you're a multinational, you might say, let's do Europe first and then do uh, America and stuff like that. And I would interrupt you and even break that down even more okay. and say, do we actually work out where we're going to roll out to our different personas and our different areas within those regions? Exactly. So yes. which persona will have the best take-up and the best value initially that could become all those case studies that will identify what's in it for people? So we actually need a three-dimensional matrix covering tools or applications, regions, and personas. I think you should go away and work on that. <laughs> <laughs> let's workshop that yes workshop exactly. that yes let's put yeah. part that put yeah. a pin in it for now mm -hmm. um but i think the the, the roadmap workshop is also going to take a lot of information from the architecture workshop that we've yeah. already previously completed because um the work that needs to be done around the architecture could well define the order that you do things in terms of a roadmap in terms of the technical release. Yep. So, you know, I'm going to roll email out because that's a no-brainer. Yeah, but actually it might, be a, not, might not be a no-brainer, depending True. on whether yeah. you've got half your workforce as frontline workers, half of your workforce as desktop workers. Uh, so the frontline workers are going to go from a server where they've had no limitations of capacity into a frontline license where they can have two gigs because they're bound to have more than two gigs of emails on there. So then you've got to start thinking about where you're going. So as you start to go through this workshop, you really need to make sure you've got a baseline. There's that great word again. Mm. Uh, a baseline um, strategy for the technical solutions you're going to have in place. Yep. Even if you end up going, okay, look, we need to double check that, but we then need to uh, you know, work out and that, that needs to be done first. Exactly. So, because if you want to roll out Teams, for example... People need to have a OneDrive and they need to have an, out, an, uh, an Outlook 365 um, account as well. Do they? Yes, otherwise you're stuck with uh, limited uh, functionality. Yes. Why? Okay, stop. Uh, they need to have an Exchange server, but it can be on-prem or it can be online. It should be online. Yeah, but if it's on-prem, you can still roll out MS Teams because your messages still get dumped into the same account, so they're redirected. It does, honestly, okay. it works. Okay, okay, um, okay. But OneDrive I do agree with yeah. uh, because you can't get rid of the OneDrive files button in MS Teams. 
Hmm. You can't That's actually turn it off. Yeah. So okay. you have to give them yeah. OneDrive. Hmm. But so what you can do, of course, is just give them 10 gigs, or sorry, or even 10 megs or 100 megs. Well, so it's, it's every time you go into a chat and you want to share a file or you want to... Uh, we both have a meeting. We're recording the meeting. I will not be able to do that if I don't have OneDrive enabled. Yeah, you need. it's certainly an area you need to go and investigate because yes. I think if it doesn't have OneDrive, it will go and stick it somewhere else. Yeah. It will uh, just okay. not be able Trust to me, do that. Trust me, the reality okay. of this, because okay. I've had it working, okay. I do know, because my last project had everything externally and the videos still worked and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Because you can... Ah. I hate to say this, but you might be right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well. Nice. Anyway. I, I think it was because they were changing it over at the time, so then yeah. you could mm -hmm. actually decide where it goes to, but I don't yep. know yet whether they've turned that off. Mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't matter there is a logical matter. order yes. we should go with yep. all right there's no yep. point yep. arguing so yep. uh, i won't cut that out because it was so much fun but yes please be clear folks yes there is understand that logical order um and it's not difficult for goodness sake you just choose the order and you decide that's where you're going to go uh, mm -hmm. and that then becomes your roadmap and yep. everybody at this point wants to see the roadmap now yes we talked last time about where you go public with a lot of this stuff all right, and I think we kept saying, yes, oh, no, perhaps we shouldn't start yet because we've got so much more work to do. But by the time you get to the roadmap, it's potentially at a stage where, hey, guys, we have a plan. Yeah. So we have a plan. Because and we everybody will already have heard about it. By now. Yes, so that, that, that dials in into the ad car process. Yes. So everybody wants to have it now. So when do we? When will we get it? So the roadmap, if you make that public into the within the company, then everybody can actually check when their location or when their uh, it's a bit like pre-awareness of change, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of uh, we're just going to give you a hint, guys, here, but you know things are going to change. Yeah. New way of working, all that kind of stuff. Good. So that's the roadmap workshop, um, and. Uh, the other thing about these workshops, if you're running the workshops or if you, you you have the responsibility of getting that data together, then plan the workshop well. You yes. know, let people know beforehand exactly what the agenda items are. Um, make sure that if you've got any demonstrations to do in, you've got all of that geared up, ready to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Don't assume that there'll be whiteboards or flip charts in the rooms, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, you want people to come in, be excited uh, about where they're going because this is the first time the business is going to get involved in any of these workshops. Mm -hmm. Everything we've had so far is all technical based. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of your first opportunity to sort of hit the business with some of that inputs and decisions. You're well, going to be pointing it, at... It, it might be the second because... <laughs> The first one will probably be your inspiration no, workshop and your envisioning be. workshop. It won't. We decided in the last podcast it won't be because yes. it's too far ahead because it takes so long to do all of these architecture ones. Okay, what's the first... At car, what's the, the first A? What does that stand for? Uh, awareness. Awareness, yes. So you're not going to give them or talk roadmap with them if they don't know what they're going to get. So you need to inspire them and show them what they will get, or what they will be able to get in your awareness phase and then in your desire phase. Oh, I want to have this. Then you can talk roadmap because then they will all go like, oh, I want to have this first. Oh, no, uh, Johnny across uh, from sales, 
he will get this before me. That's not acceptable. Okay, so I agree with you then. Give me an Inspire workshop. Go on, go now. Collaboration. Excuse me, could you tell me when I'm going to have this, please? <laughs> That's then our next workshop when we talk about roadmap. Oh, I'm now yes. pissed off. Why am I here then talking about stuff <laughs> you never got to date when I'm going to have it delivered? Okay, so... Do you want to Maybe. combine those two? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I let's because, agree to differ. I tell you what, just no, a minute. There's, yeah. the, the answer to this is okay. very, very easy. Okay. It depends. Ah, uh, yes. It depends on the organization. It depends what's already been released. It depends what stage you set move into the project. Um, yes. So it depends, but it yeah. is important not to do the envisaging and inspire until you have the story ready. So even if you have those workshops scheduled, yeah. then I agree with you. You can okay. potentially do the inspire and envisage because then when that idiot, me, asks the question, yeah, it's all right. I love this. It's great. When can I have it? You can sit there and say, actually, I'm going to show you the timetable in a minute. And even if it's just the workshops, you're good to go. Okay. But you do have to be very careful of... Uh, of course. Yes. Yes. Do I want... I don't know. I okay. don't know. I might even actually have the inspiration or envisaging as part of the roadmap. Yep. Yep. We might have be. options. We have options. Yes. All right. Of course. <laughs> I like that. Yep. That's fun. You just want to do it. Because this is the second time you've done it now. Because we, we already did it in the first podcast. Yes. Because I think that's so super important to show the business how much better air quotes um their life is going to be when everything is going to be rolled out how much more capabilities they will have how much easier their life will be how much easier they can share files stuff like that yes yeah i don't disagree mm -hmm. if they believe you yes because you can't do a demo at the moment eh. True. Just to letting you know. True. All right, let's move on. Okay. But I think, again, it's a call. You can set a yep. demo site up and sure. all kinds yeah, of yeah. other stuff. Um, and uh, you can get Microsoft in to come and do the demos. You could even take them. Take to, them to one yeah. of those experience centers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a few yeah. things that you could do with the key people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think doing that fairly early on is a great way of getting your ambassadors in early. And that might actually allow you to fill the time in with what's coming around the corner. Yeah. But. I think people are so busy, timing is crucial. Mm -hmm. So just, mm -hmm. just bear in mind our advice. You can hear we have a slight difference of opinion on here. Um, That's the first and, um, in 98 episodes. I know. I know. <laughs> we've done well, haven't we? <laughs> it's good. I, I think it's very good. Anyway. I think uh, envisaging Inspire is important. Yes. So right. roadmap. We've so got roadmap. that covered. Yes. We know what we're doing. Um, we know what applications we're putting into when mm -hmm. um, and what we're going to touch and what we need to tell people about, which is great. Sure. All right, number two. Number two. So if we know when we're going to deliver what, then I think it's really time to start talking and discussing governance. I think so too. I think it's, it's important to be able to start putting the kind of service descriptions for those applications on. Mm -hmm. Because when you now get around to doing your Inspire and Envision, you can now actually have a description of the service that they will have in place. Yeah. So maybe you need to do workshops first, then governance, then envision. <laughs> Just say no. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't no. matter. It doesn't matter. So yeah. So having those service descriptions, 
is cool. Uh, understanding the wants and needs of the business so you can decide some of those key things. And security are involved in here, of course. Of course. We're going to share external yeah. B2B Connect or B2B Direct Connect, uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. true. And then that's, um, yeah, what the business needs are and what the business wants are. Those can be... Balanced against... Yeah, balanced against what we can deliver out of the box or with extra capabilities that we need to buy or build. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I had a, I had a great little workshop today. Um, uh, I kind of got thrown in at the deep end. I'm fairly certain. It was one of those meetings that creep up on you. You know, you say something one week and somebody else, and all of a sudden somebody says, have you got that presentation for tomorrow's workshop? Oops. Uh, what, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So I, I actually had a few more days notice because I have a great boss. Hey, John, if you're listening, I have a great boss. Um, and he kind of gave me a heads up. Don't forget you got to do the presentation. But I had a COE, a, a center of excellence with the development team, and they wanted to do all the API stuff. I know we've talked about mm-hmm. this today. Yep. Um, and so I had a bunch of people that were all excited about APIs okay. and REST and Graph. You know, okay. I would never yeah. even think about getting people inspired and envisaged about that. But when you dig down into it and you look at the capabilities and you get a bunch of people that understand what they can now do with that information mm-hmm. because they write apps and they get people to data and they you kind of run dashboards and all that kind of stuff. And they realize that, you mean I can go and find out this and I can go and find out that? And, yep, yeah, you can go do that. And so it was quite strange for me because I'm not a software guy, but watching these people get excited over my <laughs> lame attempt at trying to explain the software okay. solution. Well, not basically, my opening tonight said that uh, your presentation on API by the non-developer. Nice, know? nice. <laughs> it's like uh, Thomas Fochten always does describe himself as a... Oh, what, what does he... Like a... a He's a, a non-DBA doing DBA stuff or something like that. <laughs> he's he's got a he's got a fairly good quote uh, on yeah, that. So. That's cool. So yeah, so yeah, talking about uh, talking about that. That's what, I had a good day doing that today, which was a, mm. an interesting experience. Nice. So yeah, so that governance also needs to cover things like that. So mm-hmm. you need to talk about what your your roadmap will talk about. You know, automation and connectors and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, and your governance, of course, will then decide whether. I need to do that today. Do I need to put my governance in for my connectors, my software development, my software process, my development processes, or do I can do that later because it's more important to work out, you know, who can create a team site and who can't and who can do this mm-hmm. and what's the role of an owner and content and yeah. yeah. There's all of th- there's I mean this governance workshop is a yeah. 6 hour uh, marathon as you at go least, through all the at things. Least. That you so need you will to do. probably split this in, into a few meetings because Agreed. those business wants and those business needs would they come in as as stories? Uh, depends on the organization. Um, I will. I always tell people to write them as stories, regardless mm-hmm. whoever they are, uh, and that then sends p- some people into panic mode because th- that means they can say anything they want. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that's what I for want me to do. as a sales guy i would love to be able to share my price list with my 200 prospects in a very easy way yep and then i would yep. turn around and say security won't let me do that but mm-hmm. i can do this instead is that you know i yeah. can get you some way along the way exactly so yes yeah. i say stories i think are very very good but they need context and at this point the governance is um well 
it's, it's six hours. It's going to start off high level. Who we share with? What do we need to share with? What does the business need to share? Um, how do we protect our data? Uh, is there data that we need to separate from some parts of the company from another? Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll get our roadmap. Are we rolling out MS Teams first? So do we need to do labels? Do we need to? There's all kinds of stuff there. Yep. Uh, who can do what? Uh, how do we decide who can have the administrator role? Are we having one administrator for all the applications or are we having people looking after Teams admin, people looking after Yammer admin, people looking after SharePoint admin? All of those questions need to be done. So yep. you start from the very high level and you work your way down and bring the business in when they need to add value. Mm -hmm. So they don't need to understand necessarily you know, the ins and outs of our security regulations that we yeah. have to adhere to to keep, yeah. you know... The audit ex, trail and exactly. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But at some point, they would get to a point where IT will go, well, I don't know now. Mm -hmm. Depends what the business wants. Okay, time to hold off fire. We'll rearrange the workshop and bring the business in. And yeah. when you do bring the business in, you need to give them a simplified view of what you've already decided. Yes. So they need to understand that you're not going to allow people to create their own sites because of these and these and these reasons, mm -hmm. for example. Um, and uh, and then, you know, have those arguments up front, but at least explain what you've done as a foundation for the discussions that are about to follow. Yes. Yes. So okay. That's, so that's Good. governance. Yeah. I think, um, and you can't just do baseline governance here. So the nope. output of this workshop has to be uh, in detail. Yes. And piece of advice to everybody. You guys all listening? You ready? You will have to redo this in about six to eight weeks' time. Not all of it, but some of the decisions you make in this initial workshop will change when it's built and people start to test it and use it. Yeah. Um, it will be challenged. Especially yeah. around your security model. You mean they can see my site? No, I don't want that. Yeah, but that's actually what we agreed. Well, I'm sorry, I don't want that. So mm -hmm. now you've got one exception, and by the time you've got two exceptions, it's time to re-approach or re-decide from the security perspective. And that's why the stories are really good, mm -hmm. yeah. because you can actually document what people can do. So you know, where it says, yes, as a user, I can read the finance site and read the HR site. It's not a good example, because that would be no-no, mm -hmm. but I can read the sales site, but I can only edit uh, content in my document site. Yep. And that's a nice you know, statement that says to people, so I can read all the other content. Yes, we decided that's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. yep. Also think about licensing groups. So yes. uh, frontline people, are they allowed to read all the SharePoint sites? Because they're only likely to have a mobile device. Mm -hmm. uh, or are they really only going to be able to edit in their own team's site and then potentially have access to your intranets and things? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, governance is a, a complicated one um, and uh, requires some yeah. brainstorming. If, you know only, if only somebody would make like a really good podcast about governance, that would be cool. <laughs> we could, couldn't we? Uh, yeah, we, we've done a few of those baseline governance episodes, but uh, maybe digging really deep into governance and and like listing up like these would be the questions you would probably want to ask might be an idea, but we'll I, we'll discuss that later on. Yeah, I think there's some logic there. So, do we actually do a podcast on um, what the governance workshop should consist of? 
the kinds of questions you should ask, the kind yeah. of decisions you need to move forward. Yeah, might be. We could do the same with all the other workshops. Uh, you, I mean, you could do a two-hour yeah. podcast on your Inspire and Envision workshop <laughs> and what you would say and do. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All right, so first one then was our roadmap yes. uh, so that people understand and you can refer back to it um and uh and sort the of master say, hey, plan the, yeah like that master plan then we may or may not do an inspire or envisage workshop depending whether we've done one or not <laughs> we'll fit one in there somewhere yep. we're suddenly going to go that's where it fits in because it would just feel right but yeah anyway then we need to do governance because the decisions we take now uh will need to be based in some kind of foundation yeah good good so now we actually know when we're gonna roll what out and we're all we also know what kind of decisions that we want to take so that brings us to the different uh, content yes so the, the different applications or the different um streams that we're gonna release yeah i think it brings us to the content yes so let's let's focus on content rather than on hey we're doing email next actually no we're gonna deal with email messaging and we're going to deal with chat because yeah. it's all part of mm-hmm. that service. Yeah. Um, and uh, and maybe potentially sort of uh, archiving and uh, retention of emails and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's about the content. Mm-hmm. So we had t- three things I think we've included in here, haven't we? Uh, yep. Yeah. So we've added uh, email, we've added collaboration, we've added uh, document management. Yeah. We might include search as a different workshop if we've got really specific um, business requirements for that. Um, but I think it will be part of document management and collaboration and email. I don't know with this one. It is a dodgy one, isn't it? It, it, is, it depends is on the organization. One. So by default, your search is going to work. Yes. So it's tempting to go, I don't need to touch that. I'll play around with it later if I yeah. if I need to. Mm-hmm. However, we're talking about our content here. So there will be some content that you just need to make available to everybody. Mm-hmm. And using certain keywords in search yeah. is one of the ways of doing it. And it does it very well. The yeah. other thing is that you might need to say, and these documents need to be accessible on multiple sites. So yes. your PMP search again and, and the PMP web parts, you need to do that. But you can't do that unless you actually have the right content architecture set up to be able to, to pull those things in. So same thing for email. I mean, um, for my last project where we moved those people from Exchange on-prem to Exchange Online, we said, okay, only cache the last two years of email, which is the default setting. Yeah. But a lot of people... Uh, were complaining that they would also need those older emails because they need to refer back to them uh, for long-standing orders and things like that. Um, so that was not um, being handled in an in an automatic way. We actually needed to uh, do some extra steps for that. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, what I told my organization was then any content in email that you think is an archive should be a record and shouldn't be stored in email. You oh know, yeah, I love that. It's, yeah, it's it needs to be identified and and brought out, but that's okay. That's part of, you know, what uh, 
the bad news that you have to deliver sometimes. So search is a question. So let's say that at this point in time, you need to do a baseline search. So yeah. you need to kind of say, this is my baseline requirements for search, and then identify those things that you know you need to do for launch and those things that you can play around with later. Yeah, and they will be part of collaboration and document management, stuff like that. They will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, before we go on to the applications and things that we've made a note on there, we need to hit the elephant in the room um, and decide. I know I gained a little weight during my <laughs> holidays, but come on, man. I'm sorry. That's not cool. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit too personal, fat so. Um, so <laughs> you can talk. I mean, I'm the, oh, don't do that while I'm, I'm, I'm drinking. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, content types. <clears throat> yes, content types. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I I am going through one of those um periods of my content architecture head where I kind of wicking is it worth doing this now? Is it not because it's just too much to do kind of preparing these things and working out what they need to do. But mm-hmm. for search, we just talked about the fact that we do need it. So potentially you might want to, at this point, identify your important content within the organization, mm-hmm. whether they're documents or whether they're emails and work out what's going to happen to it. So for example, if I am heavily sales, then email is probably email. Email <laughs> is probably uh, one of those core communications and I probably already have a CRM of some sort. Yeah. So potentially, even at this early stage, you might be talking about connectors and workflow to manage that flow of information from your email into your CRM. Yes. <clears throat> and I know that when we go tenant, just do the basics for a year and a half and then build on it. But there are some key attributes to the business that you need to prepare for. So, so I, I'm going to answer my own question about content types. I think you need to be wary of them. Mm-hmm. I think you need to set a default corporate content type, mm-hmm. not the default document one, or agree in your governance that our default one is going to be the document one, mm-hmm. which might answer the question we had earlier today when we was having a, a little tot of uh, French whiskey uh, about MS Teams and those content types in the libraries. Yep. Uh, but then you can build from it. So I think if you're going to talk about collaboration, if you're going to talk about document management, you're going to talk about email and search as part of our content, then I think you have to have a baseline content architecture so that you can build from it as and when you're ready to approach that discussion. Yes. So the core attributes here then are OneDrive, SharePoint, and Teams, I guess. Um, y- yes. Yes. That's based on the roadmap of which ones are going to get rolled out first. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I would always try to do OneDrive first, uh, but then... No-brainer. Yeah, but, De- but then... Depending upon what personal drives people are using now. Yes, yes. And whether you have Citrix or not, or uh, some other kind of virtual environment. Yes, yeah, that too, yeah. And if there's a COVID situation and we all need to work from home, <laughs> um, then you might want to roll out. Uh, Whether they have lots of mobile devices meetings. and bring your own device. Yeah, stuff like that. But OneDrive, as we said always, is a no brainer. Um, kind of. Yeah. Part of these workshops uh, also need to include um, your migration. 
how are we going to migrate our current solution to OneDrive? How are we going to migrate our current SharePoint to uh, documents to SharePoint and or Teams? I Stuff agree. Like that. I think that baseline question comes up again. At least yeah. put your mind on on those migrations, even mm -hmm. if you're not going to start talking about them in any detail. Yeah. Um, but I think at this point in time, there's still more to talk about around OneDrive, SharePoint, and Teams in this workshop. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And so before you start talking about migration, I think you need to work out what the as-is service will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, what will OneDrive look like? Is it just going to be OneDrive? People can upload and, and open files and save files to it? Or are you going to do that thing where your documents folder becomes part of automatically migrates the to OneDrive? The known folder. Thank yes. you. The known, known folder, folder move. Yeah. move. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go down that line or not? So, yeah. it's all part of that process. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of things that you need to... I do apologize, folks. I uh, needed to sneeze, and I decided to save your ears if you're listening to this with a set of headphones. Uh, but there we go. So we were talking about um, OneDrive and uh, whether you're going to do that session or not. And, of course, we've still got SharePoint or Teams to consider. Yes. And all of the ways that we're going to present and, and manage that content and those yeah. documents and that architecture. How do you want to work? What kind of persona are you? Um, how deep do you want to go into that document management work? How deep do you want to go into content types, into metadata um, versus ease of use? Yeah, yeah. it's true. Mm. The, there is, this is also starting to identify how big a change and how big your adoption program is going to be. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> how much like for like you're doing. I agree with that entirely. Um, but it's also really important because everything is about the content. Your whole, yes. Your whole point of doing this is that all of that personal information that we've been storing on our file shares, in our inbox, in all those kind of other places where uh, our personal drives, whatever, 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 is all going to come into Microsoft 365. We never should underestimate that and how quickly it grows, which is why they give you all that storage space because yep. they know you're going to use it those 25 gigabytes of email files that you mm. can start storing. So, um, so yes, that's a key part of the process is to be able to identify that important information. Um, I guess I should also kind of mention taxonomy. Yes, yes. All right. Um, and trying to include that in your envision and inspire will certainly kill the mood, won't it? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. But if you've got a baseline search in place, then you do need to think about, you know, what you might want to use as refiners as people start to search for this content mm -hmm. and how you're going to corporately identify different documents, you know, production schedules, uh, audit documents, uh, suppliers, documents, contracts, uh, personnel contracts, blah, blah, blah. Document All of those life cycle. Terms. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah uh, the life cycle, you're right to go associated with this. So that is also part of this process. And you can't do any of that, of course, unless you've kind of got your roadmap in place so you know what order this is going to run in and your governance as well. Yeah. Um, so that you can kind of work out what is important and, and what is not. And your industry would also be key to this. Mm -hmm. So if you're banking, then you've got some r important criteria to manage and do. 
and it's okay we're all right we're at uh, a, we're approaching 50 minutes we're approaching whiskey time don't worry which yes. which just gives us time to potentially talk about our last one on the list uh, well alas we've still got six more to go after this probably but anyway so that's content let's wind that one up and move on to I don't know, one of those that is, again, decision, which one do we do first? But yep. we get to the point where we talk about portals. Yes. Hello, Wendy. I'll just close, close that door. door. And yes. then you need to close that one too, probably, because she's sitting outside. Oh, yeah. All righty, cool. Portals. Yes, portals. Yes. What, what is a portal? A portal is, oh God. Um, well, you wrote it down, so I assumed yes. you knew what it was. Yeah, no, it's it's a publishing site that is being maintained by a few people, but that has relevant information for a bunch of people, okay. for a large group of, uh, of people. So it's an intranet. It, it mainly, mainly, well, I would say that 80% of portals should be, uh, would be an intranet, yes. All right, cool, exactly. cool, cool. Um, this also brings us into a whole other bunch of areas like audiences, uh, parts of the organization, uh, yeah. delivery of content to the yeah. right kind of people, yeah. uh, engage if you're talking about connect from Viva, yes. Yammer, communities. Yes. There's just such a huge damn lot of stuff that needs to be yes, done here. Absolutely. And if you are going on this road, uh, you've probably created a center of excellence site where you jot down all your governance decisions and things like that. You probably have a learning environment, a learning site that you've already set up. And then I, that would all tie very nicely into an internet. So people would have already seen the new SharePoint. Maybe you probably made a really nice looking SharePoint site for that. And now you can just Tie it all together with a nice glue that is called an intranet <laughs> uh, where you can bring all your HR content, your building content, ICT, communications, all these services to your organization um, where they could all have a really nice place to uh, showcase their information of all the things that you need to know. Number one, of course, lunch menu should be there, <laughs> um, typical um so all these things would be there news is is always there you can tie it as you said into teams uh with your uh viva um connect yes now that's pretty cool um i i find this a little kind of um i find the whole internet the last two workshops that we've just done is all about content mm -hmm. uh, so some of the content in my collaboration is going to need to have a place to publish it from. Yes. Um, but some of the content in the portals needs to have a collaborative process associated with it. So yes. if I'm working on something that is knowledge-based, for example, it may a be new constantly A work-from-home policy. Yes, yes, exactly. We need to work on that. We need to have meetings around so that. So you we can't do these workshops without having an eye on the other. Yes. So, you know, it's about your content architecture that drives all of this. Yeah. Um, and of course, I could well have a collaborate, collaboration environment where those audiences that I've built for the internet are also a key part of, you know, making sure that the right people get to the right place. Yes, I absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's all part of the fun, mm -hmm. uh, all part of where we're going. Look, uh, we're running a little late, so I, I just want to kind of do two things really. I want to round up 
and go back to the order of these workshops after we've tasted uh, this wonderful witch's whiskey that we're going to play with. But I don't want to exclude some of the other workshops on our list, and I don't want to do a part three. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's just kind of make sure that we've, we've got a couple of workshops here. So we've got the migration workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got support workshop. Mm-hmm. And we've probably got the most important one that we haven't touched on, which is the adoption and change workshop. Yes. Okay. I honestly think we've over we've really killed adoption and change. All right. Yeah. We obviously believe in the ADCAR kind of process to yeah. manage the change. But you know, in the adoption and change, you're going to identify your work your ambassadors, what they expect them to do, you know, your communications plan, all those kinds of things that we've we've well overplayed. So let's kind of assume we've done that. Mm-hmm. Um the migration workshop is not just a simple job of saying we need to move that from there no. to there. No. No, There's you a lot also, more things. Yeah, absolutely. So it it's it's not only timing and, and business wise and how you're gonna communicate that, but also like how are we gonna connect these things? What tools are we gonna use to make sure that we only select the right kind of stuff that we want to migrate because we probably don't want to migrate everything. And how are people going to find it once we have migrated exactly. it without having yeah. to do a huge one-hour workshop on how to find your old equipment or yeah. your old data mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So migration is a key one. Where is it yeah. going to get migrated to? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, how are you going to think about metadata in your content types? There's a lot of information there on migration. Mm-hmm. Uh, what tools are you going to use to migrate it? Yeah. How long is it going to take you? How many years? Mm-hmm. How many tens of years mm-hmm. will it take you to migrate your content? Are you going to migrate all of it? Yeah. Etc. I know you just mentioned that, so that's mm-hmm. I kind of covered that. That's how important it is. We both mentioned it. and then i think the one that very often gets overlooked i'm not sure whereabouts this sits in the program it could even potentially be part of the roadmap workshop but um is a workshop that talks about how we're going to support the users and i'm not just talking about Mm -hmm. communications and adoption here i'm literally talking about making sure that whatever help desk software you have in place has the appropriate labels and buttons so people can say i created a ms team site and i can't delete it and whatever you're using service now or some kind of it help desk support or people Mm -hmm. answering phones that's a good idea you have a help desk where people phone them up and say i have a problem yeah might catch on you never know no but you might be building a chatbot yes you might be building a chatbot Mm -hmm. but i think you need to make those kinds of decisions um and so that when you do launch one of those applications you know, the help desk knows exactly how they are dealing with the queries and questions yep. that they're going to get. Build a knowledge base for where them. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What pages to share and all that yep. kind of stuff. But, uh, it could well be a part of your communications plan or your adoption and your change, or it could be part of your, your workshop for your roadmap. Yep. Also, a very important part there is what are you going to do with new business needs? They will probably come to the help desk first. <laughs> oh, I actually got a new uh, SharePoint site, but actually what I want to do is this, this, and this, but I can't seem to find a button. Oh, there's not a button, but that's probably something that we can create, so I'll connect that's you a new to the yes. team. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Funny, funny story, um, uh, talking about migration and talking about uh, support. I've uh, just done a, a fairly large email migration, so kind of 3,000 accounts or something. Um, and it's been going on for on and off, I don't know, maybe two months. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we get to the end, and I kind of asked the question to the team. said, so how many mailboxes do we have left? Um, well, we've done most of them now, but we still have 200. Well, where have they come from? Because I've split the company up, and we've done the migrations. Yeah, we only realized last week that all new users that joined the company were still being <laughs> provisioned on the old uh, on-premise. Yes. So think about your processes when you think about your support. And onboarding make sure and that, offboarding. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, just an intro. And I'm going, duh. So who's the project manager on this? Oh, yeah, me. So <laughs> I kind of missed that one. Yeah. Um, but, the, but there you go, yeah. So anyway, it was no hardship to migrate to under. The more hardship was trying to get the work out what the onboarding process in place is at the moment and yeah. how we can mm-hmm. kind of change it. So yeah. so that's sure. good. All righty. So, um, yeah, we'll kind of review those to finish off with. I think uh, I like the order of these workshops. I think it'll be a good, nice little closer for the workshop. But in the meantime, we need to go and talk about some witches. Yes, 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 yes. And just not just a simple witch, but a witch that lights up in the dark. A witch that lights up in the dark. Yes, yes. So Brave and Whiskey uh, were very kind enough to provide us with some uh, some whiskeys to drink. We have actually tasted this before. Yeah. Uh, because uh, in when we was in Barcelona, we went to visit the Braben people because that's where their main office is, or one of their main offices is in Europe, uh, is in Barcelona. They have a great place there. It's uh, awesome. And I'm sure... Yeah. They will uh, willingly open you, uh, welcome you with open arms if you uh, said, hey, I'm in the area, come and talk to me about barrels. They would love that. But they, but we talked about this, and the, they've got a whole series of the Scottish Witchcraft series. As I said, Witchcraft series. Witchcraft? No. Witchcraft, Witchcraft series. Yeah. Cash Gate 88. And because it's magic, this glows in the dark. Yes. It has to be my favorite bottle design ever <laughs> it's uh it's very yes. clever um but uh so yes the whiskey is isabel gaudi um isabel gaudi look her up she's the most infamous woman of the 17th century uh, and this wi- this whiskey is named after her as so part ev- of the series actually everything we know about witches all comes from her testimony that she delivered while she was getting tortured yeah. back in the uh, something hundreds. Yeah. Yes, so uh, there you go. It's all the imagination of uh, Isabel Gaudi. But Isabel Gaudi is actually from an incredibly good distillery. Which one? Linkwood. Ooh, ooh. It's a, a I might f- have a barrel of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a 14-year-old Linkwood. Yes. And you're sitting there wanting to talk about this, but you really should pull your finger out and pour some. Give yeah, me a glass. I suppose you need to have a glass. Yes. There you go. I'll let you take that. So while Moraine does mm. that, we'll give you uh, a kind of little bit of a, a background on this. So it's a Linkwood 14-year-old whiskey. As I said, we have kind of tasted it before. Um, and even though I'm looking at this website, I can't find any tasting notes. So, uh, oh, there we go. So here it comes. Uh, oh, you're going to love the description of the color here, but I've got a feeling that they've biased it a little bit. So I'm going to turn the lights on if that's okay with you yep. so that we can sort of see this in action. So there we go. Thank you very, very much indeed. And the color of this whiskey is described as twilight pink. <laughs> <laughs> I would just call it dark amber. Amber, yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, this is a limited edition. There's only 370 bottles of Correct. this. It's finished in a French wine cask. 
and not just any French wine cask. No. It's a first fill Chateau Lafitte. Chateau Lafitte. Mm. I'm starting to work out why this was so good. I do remember tasting this. We finished the bottle, if you remember. We did. We was, we was, being, <laughs> we was on the video podcast and the bottle was sitting on the table as we were in there talking about it. And uh, yeah, mm. Moraine's already done a... F- Moraine, wake up. Wake up. I know it was good. He's fainted because it was so oh, good. Brilliant. Yes. So, yeah, no, it's neat. It's 51%. Um, this was bottled in 2021. So uh, it's 14 years. It was distilled 2007, which is cool. So uh, it's got really long tasting notes. I like the short ones, but it yeah. said, I'll just read the first sentence. There's a sweetness on the nose with a hint of the exotic. Yes, I agree. So what do you get? A little a apple? Hint, a hint of exotic. Exotic, yeah. Yeah, no, like, y- you know, you can get orange juice, but you can also get, like, nectar juice, which is like a combination of oranges and pineapples and whatever. I kind of get that. Yeah, I kind of get red apples. Okay. Kind of those, not sour apples, but... Yeah, yeah, that, that something like of, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely picked that up. Uh, and the spices in there, so... Um, there you go. A dab of celery salt, apparently. Oh? I have no idea what that is. But there you go. I, so, I love celery salt. Yes. From my little cubes of cheese. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, I don't argue yeah, with yeah. that. Mm, I'm going to go in. You go. And this this is this is amazing. Yeah. It is fabulous. You, um, It's a bit harsh to start off with, uh, but it will ease off. But you can taste that kind of wine remnants in there, that kind of uh, from the wine cask. Spicy. Um, it is, yeah, but we could tell that from the nose. If it's yep. going to be on the nose, it's going to follow through, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, but now you've tasted it, the nose is a lot warm. more fruity. Mm. So 14-year-old Lingwood. For a 14-year-old, it's actually quite spicy, isn't it? It's got a bite it is. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Might also have to do something with the alcohol, but I don't really think so. I did put out the angel so you can put a drop of water in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I'll do that with you as well. So there you go. Um, so that is, um, it is actually available to buy still, if you want, on the Cask 88 website from Braben Whiskey. Um, and uh, uh, I kind of do recommend it. So what has water done to it? Actually, not that much on the nose. Not that much on the nose. Kind of, oh, wait. That's all right. Pour some water in for me. Mm -hmm. Go on. I've got a hand on the microphone. Yeah. Hand on the microphone, hand on the angel. Hand on the angel, yes. Cool. Nose hasn't really changed. That's unusual as well. Actually, probably says it's going to be good for the taste because we know that when you put water in, then the the nose is one of the things that disappears off. What I'm hoping is it softens the pepper in it a little bit, so you can start to get the the palate a little more. It doesn't. It doesn't. It It does not. It does not. Oh, I think it does. Mm, I think maybe maybe I just need another. But anyway, it's it's very much uh, a whiskey that's got two uh, before and after. I quite like on the palate. It talks about things like tarragon, sage, and thyme. 
Oh, and I, and I do think it's that kind of of mm. um, uh, herbs rather than um, spice and fruit. So I like it. Oh, yeah, but every so often you get a bite back on that finish. Yeah, I, I, this doesn't soften at all. No, you're right. No, you're right. <clears throat> this is a great whiskey. All yeah. right? I mean, it should be. It deserves to be. It's Linkwood, mm-hmm. uh, classic distillery. It's 14 years. Uh, and it's got a picture of a witch on it. I mean, what else can it's you expect? Just good, yeah. And it glows in the dark. And it yeah. glows in the dark. I can see that Maureen is anchoring after taking this bottle home here, which is fine by me if you want to swap them. My gift to you. It's also got that less in it cool. now because we've just drank from it. <laughs> 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 hmm, okay. My yeah. gift to you, my friend. You can oh, swap them over. I'll you. take your thank bottle you. and uh, you can give this All one right. back. That's neat. Yes. All righty. Good podcast. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Brayburn, for looking after us and and Mm -hmm. supporting us and being the uh, sponsor of episode 98. Two more to go before 100. Yes. And we're finishing off our conversations on workshops. And I kind of wanted to to revisit the order because we keep discussing this a little bit. Um, And just on the last chance, now that we've tasted a little whiskey and we warmed through a little... um, um, I kind of want to I dread mentioning this but this inspire envisage thing is still a question in my head the roadmap order is right the governance order is right the document management is right the portals you may do earlier if you're leading with a portal mm-hmm. um, and so you know as part of that decide and you know when you're ready to release it the support and the adoption and change needs to be done the other reason why i would i'm not too worried about those is they're different teams so the team of people that's kind of going around content architecture and portals is different to the team that's doing the adoption and change yeah so i don't really mind them running in parallel in some respects mm-hmm. um but i do have a question about this inspiring envisage and i think you put your finger on it earlier when you said there are several inspiring and envisaging workshops i think so in different levels and different depths exactly i was thinking that's exactly where i was going with this in the back of my head i think that you've got a program of uh, inspiration and envisaging Mm. based upon personas people and whoever you're presenting to but also you have the responsibility to grow the organization through the levels of their capabilities. Exactly. The digital literacy, but then not just on a basic level, but on a more advanced level. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Plan to evolve. You know, yes. Make sure that you know where you're starting and where you're finishing. And, and this is a year, we talked about it last podcast, this is a year's piece of work. It'd be, you yeah. know, I'm not yeah. suggesting before you get anything released, but you know, to go through the process of getting everything migrated, email transferred, you know, your content ready to go, your migration's mm-hmm. probably outside that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have many times to touch the relevant audiences. Yeah. Um, and uh, so maybe that Inspire Envision workshop needs to be kind of planned um around a number of years a little bit like your adoption and change so mm-hmm. i'm going to start here with hey this is the basic functionality you're going to get and the yeah. value that it will get you mm-hmm. and then you start to dig in and say 
hey, let's talk about your personal files and OneDrive and yeah. what that's going to give you and sharing. Now we've done governance, we can tell you that you will be able to share with anybody external. Uh, you will have to re-authenticate them every 30 days. Mm -hmm. You blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I've got a feeling that that inspiring visage is not one workshop, but a number of workshops, yep. a program of inspiration. Yes, and that will tie into your uh, adoption as well. Yeah, I think that's where it will lead into. Yeah, because that will drive some desire uh, as well and, and build on, on the knowledge part. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. I, I love the, the fact we couldn't decide, but that's because we hadn't thought about it properly. And, and now we've kind of touched it two or three times because mm -hmm. we thought it was right to do it at the beginning or I did and you you did rather and I didn't and then we thought, yeah, it'd be good here. Hey, I think, I think it's time to wrap up. Oh, is it? Yeah. And we're kind yeah, of yeah, enjoying yeah. this. Yeah, I know. Good subject. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. It is. It is. All righty. So uh, I guess it's goodbye for Isabel to say Gaudi. Yeah, Isabel <laughs> Gaudi to say goodbye. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Steve Dobby saying goodbye, which means Moraine will just say bye. So I'm going to hand over to Moraine to do a nice big finish to episode 98. Bye. We are not millennials, we are mature. Steve. Maybe more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel. <laughs>